Justice Tech Pros here. Um, first, I just want to say, um, happy to say actually that membership subscribers, I should say, uh, keeps growing. We're at, I believe, over 5,600, closing in on 6,000 subscribers. So that tells me that whatever I'm doing is resonating with the listeners. So I appreciate all of that. I appreciate people taking the time to listen to what I have to say. And I want to also thank um, the original supporters of the channel, uh, Ruckus Radio being one of them, and Rich. He uh, always um, not only promoted the channel and talked about it, but it's just always been a, uh, a fair individual as far as how he treated certain things and certain news reports. And, uh, you know, I appreciate all of that. I appreciate all the support. And as we grow, I always... Uh, Remember that he helped, you know, uh, get the word out about the channel. So it is uh, greatly appreciated and just want to say thank you for that. And for everybody, all the uh, initial and original listeners, I appreciate you sticking with it. And, and, you know, watching the channel grow. And with that said, today I wanted to kind of talk about um, defense strategies, I, I guess I would say. And some things that I believe could help defense teams and items they could discuss with their counsel and with their team that could possibly uh, help their case and give themselves a little bit of a voice when they're stuck or when they're intertwined or they're involved with a case. Uh, I remember on the last case I was on, um, it was actually one of the uh, one of the only things that I think the attorneys and I disagreed with. Um, when the case first started, you know, the uh, government and the prosecutor was, prosecution team, I should say, was putting out, um, you know, different press releases. And obviously they're not um, fair press releases. They're very one-sided. And to me, it just, it does nothing but hurt the case before it even begins. You know, it's already uh, putting the defendant in a spot where they have to fight for their innocence because of what is being released and what is being broadcast. So my idea was to put out a counteractive press release, you know, just something to kind of to kind of fight what was being said, you know, just something that would say a little bit more of the facts and a little bit more of what was going on where you're allowed to talk about. I understand certain things you can't put out because there are protective orders and things like that, and I wasn't really talking about anything or discussing anything of that nature. I was more talking about just something to get some positive and fair, um, fair reports on what was going on, as opposed to just constant negativity and constant one-sided blasts and. Uh, uh, news releases and stories that were floating around, especially online, on the internet and at different outlets. To me, I look at it like, why not, you know, almost fight fire with fire? And they, they disagreed with me on that, so I didn't win that battle. I still don't think I was wrong, though, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, when you're outvoted, there's nothing you could do, and I'm sure, uh, I'm sure it's a bit of an obstacle because, you know, attorneys want to do things a certain way, and if, and if you try to change that, I know it's a little bit uncomfortable for the team, and 
uh, they may have been thinking, well, you know, this guy's not an attorney. I don't know what he's thinking. And I respect that, but I'm still going to stand by my opinion. And I still made sure I voiced it at every turn I could, I'm sure, at nauseum. And I'm sure it annoyed them because I'm, I'm not the type to really let stuff go. So I kept harping on it. But, you know, unfortunately, uh, they just uh, we just didn't see eye to eye on that issue. But I believe it is a tool that could be used for defendants. You know, and it may not necessarily have to be a press release, but it could be it could be getting a narrative going that works in favor of the defendant. You know, there's so many outlets out there nowadays that a defendant really shouldn't have to sit idle and just take it. And what I mean by take it is just sit there and have all these negative stories, blog, online blogs, uh, social media, just report things that are inaccurate, not factual things that are stereotypical, things that are biased, and you just got to sit quietly and accept it. And, and I don't think people should have to do that. You know, I think they have a right to voice their opinion. And whether it is through means of putting out a press release, which if done properly, I feel could be effective. Um, doing a podcast, something like this, you know, where they have maybe a member of their defense team just talking about certain things to kind of sh set the record straight if there is false stories floating around and inaccurate information I don't think there's anything wrong with putting out putting the facts straight and letting the public know the other side to it so it's not always just one-sided and that potential jurors don't only see and read and hear what the prosecution and what the government wants them to hear you know, you may get lucky and you may get you may get a jury who hasn't been picked yet that comes across both sides of the case. And when they walk into that courtroom, if they are selected, they may have, you know, both sides in back of their mind and they'll be able to possibly start that defendant with a clean slate because they'll understand that there is another side to the narrative that's being portrayed and being exhibited. And I think that that's an underused, uh, undervalued tool that's really not going on when you see people going to trial and you see people going through the process of pre-trial and everything that leads up to jury selection and leads up to sitting in a courtroom and being judged by a juror. And it's something a little bit out of the box and it's really not done. And that's kind of always been my style to take the approach to try to utilize things that have not been done and to try to do things that are outside of the realm of normal. And I believe it strikes a chord in all aspects of life. I've just always done things that way, even in my professional life and uh, the business, um, different businesses that I've been involved in. I've always tried to do things that are a little bit unorthodox. And, I, you know, I've had some pretty good results that way, you know, and, and, I, and I believe this is another industry and another area where it could help. I mean, if you reach out to established podcasts, reach out to radio stations, and I'm not saying everybody's going to pick it up, but you keep trying, you know, you try to at least get the word out there. You know, you, you put out for every negative story, if you could try to counteract that with one that gives you the facts and you could possibly even call out the inaccuracies. 
and I talked a little bit about uh, calling out journalists and those who possibly uh, report misinformation in the past. Uh, to me, I don't see anything wrong with contacting those individuals and letting them know what they're printing is not is not accurate. And it's basically just one side of the story. And they're, they're painting a false picture that's hurting the defendant. So, you know, by addressing that and bringing it to a head and trying to reason with the person and give them an explanation, I, I believe it can only help the situation, not hurt it. So I don't see the downside in that. And like me, I'm sure you, you may, you know, a defendant may get some pushback from the, the team, from the uh, attorneys, you know, possibly, possibly not. But you have to keep trying because you have to be forceful with those things. I mean, you're fighting for your life. So if you truly believe in something, you really got to try and you have to, you have to understand if they are against it, you need a good explanation as to why it cannot help the situation. Uh, again, that was just one of the things that I just never saw the rationale uh, behind behind um, not going down the route that I wanted to go down as far as fighting it on the media front. You know, I thought it could help. Uh, you know, they disagreed, so I, I kind of, my hands were a little bit tied. Um, but I, I, I'm not sure I made the right decision on that, to be honest with you. I don't know if I should have just did it anyway or push forward. You know, it's a hard decision to make because in one breath you may feel something's right, but you don't want to do any damage. But now in hindsight, I, I really don't think any damage could have been done. I think it could only help the situation. And I think there does come a time where maybe you have to do things that's in your best interest or in the defendant's best interest and you have to really fight for it. And all those out there who are possibly going through the situation, possibly dealing with an upcoming trial, it's something to think about. You know, if you're, if you're getting hit, if you're, on, if you're part of a high-profile case, I should say, where it, it is playing out in the media, it, it does make sense to address those stories and to try to deal with them in a way whereas you can enlighten the viewers or the listeners or the readers as to facts and not just assumptions. And by doing that, by having a voice, I believe it could be a strong part of the defensive team. And, you know, things like that, again, there's so many areas out there between social media, between Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and podcasts. There's so many ways you could kind of flood the internet. So when terms are searched, if a defendant has a high-profile uh, name and, and, and people are searching that name because let's call facts facts here, if jury selection is going on before they're part of the jury, let's uh, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say once they're selected, they're not doing it, which I really don't believe, but let me just play dumb for a minute and say they aren't. When they are going through the selection, I would not believe that they don't go home and they start searching immediately for the defendants that are on the case that they're possibly going to serve on. So let's say they do that and all they see is negative story after negative story. You know, that's a big problem. In reality, that's a big problem. I know it's not supposed to be. I know the jury's supposed to be fair and impartial and they're not supposed to 
um, use any of that information and have it affect their decision. But if we're being honest and we're going by reality, we all know that's not the case. We all know what they read is going gonna, is gonna to have some kind of effect, whether they are aware of it or not could just have a, a subconscious effect but it's it's gonna it's gonna influence them in one way or another so again if somebody's being accused of crimes that they had nothing to do with and they're getting hit with all these crazy stories and all these crazy blogs are going on I don't see the harm in actually joining those blogs giving another voice giving an opposing view uh, setting the record straight on certain things, and it's got to be done in the right manner. It's got to be done professionally. It's got to be done factually. It can't be argumentative. It can't be defensive. It just has to be factual, and it has to be done in a way whereas it could resonate with an open-minded individual. And, you know, you're going to get the closed-minded people. They just don't care one way or another what they read is gospel, and as far as they're concerned, certain people are guilty before they even set into a, you know, uh, step into a courtroom. And, and you're not going to break through those type of people. That's just life. We all know that. But my hopes aren't even to appeal to that that um, group of individuals. M- my my hopes would be to appeal to the ones who truly are open minded and are just trying to get to the facts. And I think by doing things like that, you have a shot. You know, you could give yourself somewhat of a footprint or give the defendant somewhat of a footprint on the Internet where it's not always negative, where you could get some positive things out there and you could just get some factual information out there. You know, if you're being faced with a lot of misinformation hitting all these different sources, it can't hurt to reach out uh, maybe to, to somebody who has um a greater audience, like I said, a podcast or a radio station, just somebody who has a big audience where maybe you could get five, ten minutes just to set, set the record straight and just to talk about the facts of the case, you know, where, where you're allowed to and, and the facts uh, about the defendant, anything, anything that could help the case and just kind of um, put a balance in effect to alleviate all of the negative narrative that is happening time and again so I you know I just wanted to share that a little bit I think it could be useful and it could be helpful and again I'm not an attorney so you have to talk about those things with your attorney and the defense team and you have to just understand why it wouldn't be a good idea you know it has to be a real a legitimate reason it can't just be it's not a good idea you know get get a legitimate reason that you're okay with and if that's the case, that's the case. But I really have yet to come to hear a viable reason why it shouldn't be done. You know, and again, uh, part of me feels like a little bit of that may have been a mistake on this last case where maybe it should have been fought a little harder on the media side because I do believe the jury was influenced and I do believe that all of those headlines and all those press releases did a ton of damage, irreversible damage. And it's almost, you know, after the fact, you can't come back from that. So that ends that segment just as far as uh, on that end. And the other thing um, that, you know, struck my mind that I just wanted to touch on was last week. And and I always talk about this, how sometimes you'll read these stories where the sentence just doesn't equate to the crime. You know, you get some of these crimes where they're hitting people with big time for gambling 
and um, you know a uh, a RICO charge, and these charges that some people really don't understand. And then you get somebody who does some heinous acts, <clears throat> and they get minimal minimal time. For example, I was reading this story, and it actually made me sick to my stomach. And I'm just going to read a little bit of it because I don't even want to give it the time of day, but. I think the viewers will be astonished by this. I mean, it says, uh, the headline is Montana man accused of over 60, that's six zero child sex abuse crimes, gets one year sentence. A man in Montana who was initially charged with more than 60 counts of child sex abuse has received a deferred one year sentence after agreeing to a plea deal according to reports. This degenerate William... Edward Miller Jr. of Great Falls was arrested in February 2019 after a 14-year-old high school student accused him of raping her at her home a year prior. And then it goes on to go into all this horrible, horrible things. But this guy had 64 counts of sexual abuse. And long story short, raping a 14-year-old, and it goes on and on, all these other poor victims, this guy got a year in jail. Now, how is anybody in the public okay with that? How does that make any sense on any level whatsoever? And then you hear about individuals getting big time for crimes that you don't even really understand what they represent. Just because they are a high-profile target. And I don't know, things like that, you know, they just don't appeal to my common sense. And I guess that's why, you know, I I, I do butt heads a lot of the times with attorneys uh, because, you know, it's just very hard to rack my brain around how certain things are acceptable and are allowed under the law. And, you know, it just, again, and obviously I'm wrong, you know, because these things do happen and... Uh, the sentencing system is what is in place, but it's so hard to just not voice your opinion on it, you know, and time and again, you know, attorneys will tell me that, well, that's how it is, those are the guidelines, that's how the sentencing uh, guidelines work, that's how the um, charges work as far as the time you're facing based on the charges, and, you know, you talk about people, it's a big thing now with uh, legal reform, and I tell you, that really should be an issue on on the front front part of that burner because as far as you know time being equal to the crime that really needs to be looked at you know it has to make sense the time has to make sense for the crime and they have these ridiculous uh, punishments for certain crimes that are just so out of balance and, and out of whack and then they have these lenient punishments for these heinous crimes I mean, it's like years ago, you know, I know years ago when they had the big time with the drugs and then finally, you know, they they switched that up a little bit, but it was ridiculous. I mean, some of the time people were getting for drugs. And again, I'm not for drugs. I don't do drugs. I'm not into drugs. I never touched it. But my point is, at least with that, they realized and they, and they understood some things were a little crazy and a little out of whack. And I think that's what needs to happen again, because... It's just, it's way out of balance, and it's not an issue. People don't really talk about that, but it should be, it should be spoken about, and it should be, it should be addressed, and these are all things that where, 
I think it is a good thing that people are talking about reform and policy reform and justice reform. You know, it's definitely necessary. I'm just hoping when all's said and done, the right things are adjusted and the right things are changed because there is a lot wrong. There's a lot wrong with the system. There's a lot wrong in what goes on. And hopefully, if anything good comes out of the current state of affairs, because I see a lot of bad, but if anything good comes out of it, hopefully there there are some changes that are going to take effect where people have a better shot when they're faced with the justice system. They have a, and, and they're innocent, and they have a better shot at being found innocent as, as opposed to what goes on where people are forced to take pleas, where they don't get fair trials, where they're... they're they're just um, pointed out and they're, they're selected. You know, a selective prosecution takes place where they're targeting certain individuals just to prosecute them. Hopefully there's a lot of changing on that. And maybe there'll be some accountability as well. You know, and that, that's the biggest thing in my opinion. I think uh, accountability would change a lot. You know, if there's something in place where you get these wrongful prosecutions and when it comes up that they were wrongful, and if there's some kind of penalty for that, for the prosecutors and for the law enforcement involved, where they have to answer to a judge and to the court and to the justice system, if it is founded that their practices were unethical, where they were bending the laws, where they were bending the rules, and they have to pay a price for that, I think that'll definitely curb the wrongful prosecutions that exist. There's no doubt that it would because... You know, they're not going to want to risk that. But right now, as I've spoken about time and again, there's there's nothing to stop that because there's there's nothing to worry about. You know, if you get it, if you take a shot and you miss and you get it wrong, you just get it wrong. There's no consequences. And, you know, unfortunately, when you get people who lack character, and lack integrity, they'll take those shots time and again if they have a personal vendetta against somebody or they just, you know, they're trying to um, get a big win record, or they're just trying to boost their career, they're going to take those shots time and again because they have nothing to lose. Something has to be implemented for individuals to be faced with sanctions, to be faced with penalties, to be faced with some kind of reprimand. If they're taking these shots without any basis, and they're just selectively prosecuting people, and they're targeting people, without any cause and without any legitimate evidence. That's, I mean, to me, that'd be right at the forefront. You know, those things really have to be analyzed. You know, the times have to be, uh, have to fit the crime, and there has to be a system of accountability. Without those two things, you know, it's just, it's not a good situation, and things aren't going to change for the better. I actually would put accountability probably at the top of that because if you start with that, everything else will line up. You know, if the state team or the federal team and the law enforcement are on notice that if they're doing things unethically and they're doing things improperly, that there are consequences, I'm sure that they'll be much more diligent and they'll be much more fair and they'll make sure that the evidence lines up to the charges and the accusations are corroborated and the witnesses are vetted, and the informants are vetted, and these are legitimate sources and legitimate individuals, not just liars and not just people making things up to save their own skin. 
I believe that's the direction that really has to be taken, and I'm hoping that's the direction that possibly could start to get a, a voice and get a little bit of a spotlight on it with all this reform going on that's, you know, I shouldn't say that's going on. I should say that everybody's pushing for. Hopefully it starts to get legs and take shape, and eventually something positive comes out of it for those who are faced with the system. You know, another tactic that I think could also help defense uh, defendants, the defense team that I try to implement and I used and I am currently using on the appeal we're working on is you try to find um, a significant and an established author uh, and who may have focused on an issue that is a big appeal issue for your team. You know, if you have a certain subject or a certain topic that's a big appeal issue and, and you're looking for books while you're doing your research on that, you're looking for someone who's a master of that topic, somebody who's a specialist, what you could do is then track that individual down. You know, try to get an affidavit from that person. Have them look at the issue. And with the internet, there's really nobody who cannot be tracked down. I mean, you, you could find anybody really between LinkedIn, between search terms, between... Uh, titles of books, you're able to narrow down the authors and then find out the, the domain name that they may use. And then you could use different tactics to get their email, to get their contact number and reach out to as many people as you can that could possibly help you, you know, as, as you're dealing with your case. I mean, I, I've spoken about having to get, um, I feel it's, it's a necessity to always get a rebuttal expert. And in the same token, you know, anything that could help your case, any any um, crime that you're faced with where there's an area of expertise that can enhance your case and enhance and bring in a third party that could kind of build your case where you could possibly receive an affidavit, you could receive some counsel on, we could receive some guidance. You know, track those individuals down. If there's a book that really relates to a specific charge or a specific to topic and an author of that book really had great insight and detailed information, Get a hold of them. Have a conversation with them. Reach out to them. You know, when I work on cases, and I'm helping uh, the, the attorneys, I send hundreds of emails to a lot of different people. And sometimes they turn out good. Sometimes we get people who could help us and, and offer direction and give us some information to make our case stronger. And sometimes we don't. But you don't know until you try. And it's really about exhausting all efforts. And uh, th that's really it for today. I just wanted to appeal to defendants, to defense team on different tactics and different areas that could help help um, give you the best and give your client the best defense possible. And some of the things are a little out of the norm, but that's what it takes sometimes. You know, sometimes it takes things on a different level to resonate and make some noise. Uh, and I, I want to say I appreciate the emails. I actually got a lot of positive emails at um, podcast at justicetechpros.com regarding last week's episode. Uh, I, people were saying I, I sounded fired up on it, <laughs> and I guess uh, I was passionate about that topic. But I just appreciate the uh, emails. I thank you for writing in, and I thank you for the uh, kind words. And I'm glad, again, that people uh, you know, are enjoying what I have to say. Uh, upcoming week, I, I don't know when yet because my schedule's been crazy, so I've been doing things at all different hours. I mean, right now, I started this podcast at 6 in the morning, 
Uh, I've been going for a long, long stretch working, so I just wanted to get one in there. But, um, you know, when I can, I got a few guests that I'm going to be bringing on. Uh, one is a repeat guest that I had on in the past. I think I mentioned it, Andrew Garrett. Uh, he's going to be uh, coming back on. And, uh, you know, we, I, got, I got a few things in, in the works that I think could uh, that'll be interesting. I try to think of things that are not only interesting, but also helpful to the listeners. And that's really what this is about. It's about helping the listeners, possibly helping defendants, educating potential jurors, and just giving the public something to think about. So I appreciate, uh, I appreciate you tuning in. I appreciate you listening. Also, the podcast is on Spotify now. And I believe it was uh, submitted to uh, Google, like uh, the, the Google podcast. And um, I believe it's submitted to Apple as well. I'm not sure if the, it's live on that yet, but it's definitely on Spotify. So you could just search, you know, Justice Tech Pros podcast and you'll see you'll see the different um, platforms that it's on. So you can listen to it there as well. And that's it for today. Thank you for tuning in. Till next time. Oh, I almost forgot. There's going to be a new podcast coming out by uh, investigative journalist Lisa Babick. She's the individual who wrote Guilt for the Guiltless. And it's called Stop the Hammer. And it's going to be premiering on uh, YouTube. But it's also going to be on the different formats. On Spotify and I believe Apple. uh, It'll be in the Apple Store. So uh, just, you know, look for it. You could search Lisa Babick in YouTube and you'll find the channel and I really recommend subscribing to it because it's going to be a very in-depth podcast uh, going over a lot of factual information and a lot of interesting uh, cases and it's about from what I've seen and from what I understand it's all about uncovering the truths behind these different cases a lot of high profile cases so be sure to check it out again it's called Stop the Hammer and it's by Lisa Babic, and you can find it on YouTube's YouTube and Spotify. Uh, you could tell it's it's early in the morning. I said YouTube's, but <laughs> YouTube and Spotify. So and and many other outlets as well. Like I said, it's on iTunes and different things. But check it out and be sure to subscribe to it. And thanks again. I appreciate you listening.